it's come to my attention that more often than not, I've heard this from other teachers and preachers and pastors, that more often than not, it, it seems like the, the Lord gives me opportunity to, to live out my sermon topic before I, I teach it. And, uh, the, uh, you know, it's like he wants it to be internalized and not just theory and not just... Uh, just something that I, I know from the neck up, but something internalized that, that becomes experience. And now we're, we're continuing, as Michael said, our, our Advent series, and I've been asked to speak on uh, the topic of hope. Uh, and, you know, once again, over the last couple of weeks, it, it seems like the Lord says, well, let's, let's give you opportunity, Danny, to, to, to bring that into your life, to understand what, what true Christian hope is about. And, and uh, Penny and I have had the opportunity to see if it is, is just theory uh, and theology or if it is something that we, we have in, internalized. So thinking about this, what I've decided is in this coming year, I'm going to begin the year doing a six-month series on financial prosperity. And we'll just see if, if, the, if the principle continues to work. The, uh, no, actually, I, this has been one of the more enjoyable preparations that I've had uh, as I've looked at this topic. It's, it's tr been tremendously encouraging to me, this topic of hope. Uh, where is our hope? What is our hope? Uh, so even if you guys get nothing out of it, I don't care because I've been blessed. I've been blessed this week. Um, so what, what I want to do is we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at the scriptures and, and just see what, what the scriptures have to say uh, as, we, as we look at the birth of Christ, uh, God sending his son, and, and hope for today and hope for the future. So Father, we come to you right now, and in Jesus' name, I ask that you would once again give me clarity of speech, give me uh, clear thought, the ability to communicate those things that you've been showing uh, me and teaching me. And, and, and Father, we, we just want to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin by looking at the, the scriptural foundation of, of hope, what it is, and, and how does it look like how does hope look in practice, in a person's life, and, and some biblical examples of hope? Because biblically speaking, hope is not what the world thinks of when it uses that term. Hope isn't some kind of, of wishful thinking, uh, just say emotional desire. But biblically speaking, this is how I would define hope. Hope is the active expectation of Christ being faithful to who he is and what he has promised. So let me say that again. Hope is the active expectation of Christ being faithful, consistent with who he is in his very nature, and faithful and consistent with what he has promised. That's what biblical hope is, is all about. It's wrapped up not, and it begins not with our desire, our wants, our needs, our wishes, but hope is wrapped up with the person of Christ. 
in 1 Timothy, actually, when Paul is writing his young disciple, Timothy, and in the first verse of that first chapter, as he's writing this letter to, to, uh, to Timothy, the apostle Paul writing to his, his disciple, he begins by saying that Christ is our hope, that it's Jesus who gives us that, that firm foundation, who he is, what he's done, what he's promised. That is the reason why those who have, have surrendered their lives to Jesus, those who are choosing to follow Christ, have a, a foundation of hope, have an expectation that can, can be not pushed around by the experiences and the situations in our lives, but we have a hope that is firm because Christ is the foundation of our hope. That's the Christian hope, that Jesus is faithful, consistent with his very character. He can't help but being consistent with his character. And because we know him, we know what our future holds. Because we know what he's promised, we know and we can hold on to what the future has for us. We see Jesus giving us this, this confident expectation of the, that he would send his spirit. We see Jesus give us this, this hope that he not only sees us and knows us, but that he is towards us, that we are the objects of his affection, that we as individuals, we as, as families, we as a church family, we as, as his creation are the focus of his kind intentions, that we who follow him, we who have surrendered to him, we have, who have received that, that gift have forgiveness unconditionally of our sins our failures, that we who know Christ, who set our focus on him, can have confidence that not only do we have forgiveness of sins, but that he is going to return, that he didn't just come a single time. He wasn't just born in the manger, a, a, a season that we're now celebrating. As God stepped off the very throne of heaven and drew near to us, but that he's promised that he is going to return a second time, that he's going to come back. And as it says in, in John chapter 6, that of everyone that the Father has given Jesus to be his child, to be his possession, that of all that God has given to Jesus as his inheritance, he will not lose one that everyone who's called on his name, he says that not only has he come to forgive, but that he'll return to guarantee, to ensure that we are going to be delivered to our eternal home. Because part of the hope that we celebrate during this Advent season is the reality that this world, as real as it seems, this world as, as tangible and as, as much as we, we want to hold on to this life, this is just, this is like, like grass that, that fades and dies and goes away. But what we're made for is a life that is beyond this world. 
That's what we're made for, and it's our, that's part of our hope that Christ will return and that he'll in guarantee our delivery to our, our eternal home, our eternal reality. We know because Jesus is going to be faithful to his word, faithful to his character, that he is going to establish, and he is establishing his sovereign reign as a king here on earth, even as he's reigning in heaven. This is what the scriptures are referring to when it talks about the kingdom of God. It's talking about the reign and the rule of God. And because Jesus is, is going to be faithful to his character, to who he is as the king of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that he is involved in establishing his good, gracious reign and rule here on earth even today. That is our hope. And it's firm because it's not resting on, on something that we're going to manufacture. But our Christian hope, what the scriptures talk about when it talks about our hope in Christ, is resting on who he is. And that he will be faithful to what he has said. Very different than the hope of this, that we can find in this world. I remember when JT was probably, oh, five or six, I remember JT saying, I, I, I really hope that I can be, he, he wanted to be a, uh, a uh, break dancer, but he wanted to be a ninja break dancer. That was his hope. That was his desire. Dad, I want to I be a ninja break dancer. And he's coming close to, to, to fulfilling that. Wait till you see what we're going to be doing on Christmas Eve. No, but th th that was his hope. That was the hope of a, of a six or seven-year-old. It's just wishful thinking. It was a fantasyful desire. But our hope isn't just something that we desire. It's something that we can hold on to. It's something that is real because it has little or nothing to do with us it has little or nothing to do with our circumstances. It has everything to do with Jesus. So today I want to look at, at hope, the Christian hope, the hope that we celebrate during this Advent season. And I want to look at a passage that will give us two biblical examples of how hope works itself out. So if you look at Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible, why don't you pull it out? If you don't have a Bible, pull out your iPhone. And look on there. If you don't have an iPhone, uh, I'm sorry. But if you don't have an iPhone, you can look at uh, on the screens. We'll have, have the verses there. But let me encourage you once again. It's a good thing to bring your Bible. Bring a, bring a real Bible to church. That way you can underline. You can write in the margins. You can become familiar with this book that really breathes the very heart of God to you. But in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25... We, we were, were entering into a, a, a description of what took place, not only leading up to the birth of Jesus and the birth of Christ, but also what took place immediately after. And it says this, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was, a righteous, and he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly awaiting, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
So we have this man named Simeon, and it says that he, he, was, he was a good man. He was a, a, a man whose heart was towards God. And it says he was eagerly awaiting the Messiah and Jesus's, and the Messiah's birth. And this, this notion of eagerly awaiting sort of speaks to what this, this hope is all about. I mean, he, was, he could almost taste it. He wasn't just thinking, oh, isn't it interesting? I read this morning about the coming of the anointed one and God's promise of, of the Messiah. It affected how he lived his life. It made a difference to how he interacted with others, what he did with his life, what he saw as the purpose of his life. He was waiting. He, was, he could just taste it. It's like when you go into a a, a restaurant, and you can smell the aroma of the food, and, and you begin to salivate. Ever happened to you? Like when I go to, to, to White Castle, it just happens automatically. He, he could just taste it. It was right there. He, it, it gave him that anticipation of what he knew was about to take place. And this is how Simeon lived his life. It goes on to say the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That he wouldn't die, God had shown him, showed him that he wouldn't die until he was able to literally see the, the anointed one that God was going to send. And that, uh, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So God himself put this hope in him. God himself is wanting for each of us to, to have this, this hope of his faithfulness and his consistency with, with his promises, his consistency with his good character. He wants to sow that into our lives so it becomes more real than what we experience. It becomes more real than the circumstances around our lives so that the hope of who Christ is, what he's done, what he intends to do would become as, as tangible in our hearts and in our minds as what we see and what we hear and what we smell and what we taste and what we can touch. God had spoken to Simeon Apparently, and said, Simeon, you will not die until you see the fulfillment of that promise. When I step off the very throne of heaven, come to earth, and to begin this, this reestablishment of my kingdom reign, my good and kind and gracious rule, allowing it to slice in to this earth, even as I'm reigning and ruling in heaven. And Simeon lived his life eagerly awaiting that. He could taste it. He was watching for it. He had looked for it. And this particular day, God had said, Simeon, go, go up to the temple. And he had gone there many times. But there was something quickened in his heart. Because this hope, this hope was, was rooted in a relationship where God spoke to him and God nudged him and God led him. And not only was Simeon ex expecting something that day, but I, I have a strong suspicion that the angels in heaven, they were watching because something, something that was just incredibly both dramatic, exciting, and glorifying to God was about to happen. 
goes on to say, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the, uh, to the Lord as required by law, Simeon was there. And he, he took the child into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon took this child in his arms. God had been preparing him. God had whispered in his ear as Simeon walked around the temple that day, and maybe he had done this many, many other times. He he was looking. Lord, Lord, is that is that? Child, the one? Maybe that baby over there? You said I'd see the anointed one. I'd see the Messiah in this one day, whether it be by the Spirit or a voice in his ear or however he knew, he sees Jesus. He goes up to Joseph and Mary. He takes Jesus in his arms and he says, I can die a happy man. Take me now because I've seen the faithfulness of your promise. I'm holding the reality that gives me true hope, true biblical hope, that this world is not my home. This world isn't something that I have to grab onto. This life isn't all there is, but it's just a shadow of what is yet to come. And folks, if we're sitting here thinking that we have to squeeze out, grab all the gusto out of this world, out of this life, that this is all there is, then then we we truly are in a hopeless situation. Simeon saw Jesus that day, took him in his arms, and said, "You're you're the this this child is the evidence." of God's love and God's faithfulness and God's good character. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and he said, uh, said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, your deepest thoughts of many hearts, uh, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon recognized that how individuals responded to Jesus was was a choice that everyone has to make. And, and I'm not talking about at, a, at a one time when we, when we pray a prayer. But I'm talking daily, moment by moment. Who Christ is. How we see him. How we respond to him. Is an opportunity that ha- needs deliberate uh, thought and deliberate responses in every moment, in every situation that we find ourselves. You can imagine how, how Joseph and, and, and Mary felt. You know, this is just their kid. 
And all of a sudden, there, I mean, they had been somewhat prepared, but the, they were growing in the awareness that indeed God has allowed us to be involved in, in the hope of the universe, in this unfolding story that God initiated in the garden. And what we need to be captured by today during the season once again is the fact that we too have been invited to be part of that story. We're not just passive observers from the side. We're not just those who, who read about it like we're, we're reading some novel, but we've been invited to participate in this unfolding purpose and plan that God has to step off the very throne of God in the person of Christ to come to this and that he sent Jesus to this world to reestablish his kingdom, to reestablish what was lost in the garden. And every single one of you, whether you're 12 or whether you're 92, every single one of us have a personal invitation to step into our role, our part of this story of the hope that comes and slices in to this, this fallen world. Now at the same time, it says Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84, and she never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Here's this woman. She got married, and, and like most women, she probably got married in her, her teens, perhaps, in Israel. That would have been common. Her husband died seven years after they got married, and for the rest of her life, she just spent it in the temple because there was something that had gripped her. We don't know exactly how or why or when, but she also, like, like Simeon, was eagerly awaiting this hope. She had, was living above the, the circumstances in her life, which weren't all that great. Life was tough for a widow in, in the first century, but she was living above the circumstances, not under them. And she was awaiting the opportunity to see how God was going to be faithful to his promises and to his character. And she overhears Simeon blessing and praising God that he got to see the Messiah, that he was holding the Messiah. Simeon was saying, take me home now, Lord, I'm happy. And then Anna steps in. And Anna also, it says, she came along, in verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She also was looking for that rescuer. 
She was awaiting the initiation of, of that, that time of, of, of salvation for the rescuer to arrive. And, and not only was something going on here at, on earth at that moment, but I believe when we get to heaven and we have a chance to chat with the angels, we're, we're going to find that the, the, every angel was watching what was going on. This was, this was a moment in history like, like almost no other moment. And the angels also had for eternity passed, or at least a very, very long time, the angels were awaiting God to unfold this rescue mission. They understood the hope as well. They saw the world when it was created and the perfection and the unity and the oneness and the consistency where all of God's creation was in alignment with the purposes and, and the plans of God. They saw the fall. They understand better than we do how damaged, how broken this world is in our relationships, in our physical bodies, in our, in our desires, in our needs, in our wants. They see the brokenness. And in this moment, they knew that Jesus had been born. They were, that, was, that was something that they were anticipating. And now, when that entrance into this world of, of God's anointed one, was, begun, was beginning to get salted into the hearts and the minds and the experiences of individuals. They were watching. I could just see, you know, Gabriel said, hey, hey, look, Michael, Michael. That's not Michael, our worship leader. That's Michael, the angel. Michael, you know, it's about to happen. They're, they're singing. So, he sees him. He sees him. They were watching because this is, this is a moment in history like no other. Then Anna comes along, begins to glorify God, begins to say, God, here's evidence of your faithfulness. Here's the evidence of your good character. And here we are 2,000 years later, having opportunity during this Advent season to celebrate the reality that 2,000 years ago, our hope that which we can rest our lives upon, that, that one who makes sense out of this life was, was born. So to have hope in this life, let me say this, to have hope in this life, you must also love something more than this life. The reason why Simeon was able to look at that baby and say, I, I've seen your salvation, God, I'm holding your salvation, is because Simeon loved something more than this world. He was longing for something more than this life. I think God would ask us today, how do we live our lives? How do we think of our lives? Do we think this is all there is? Or are we also longing for something more than this life? I mean, this... This life that we live is a gift for however many days we are on this earth. It's a gift because we get to honor God and walk with him. But folks, this is this, this is the hors d'oeuvres. The banquets coming. This, this is just the, the little hot dogs wrapped in dough. 
the dinner, the banquet is before us. And it's a silly thing. The angels are probably scratching their head saying, why are they stuffing themselves with the hot dogs? Why, why are they eating so many Swedish meatballs? Don't they know what's coming? Enjoy what we have here on earth. Enjoy the opportunity to walk with Jesus. But your hope is before you. Anna loved, she loved this notion that the people of God were going to be restored to what they were intended for. Not just the people of God, but this earth would be restored. The, the kingdom of God would be, would be reestablished. And when they saw by the Holy Spirit and recognized the, the birth of their Savior, it overshadowed their circumstances. It overshadowed the, the sorrow that, that Anna lived with, that, that her husband had died so many years, years earlier. It overshadowed the, the, the issues in, in Simeon's life because their eyes saw something far more real than the shadows that we walk in here on earth. It allowed them to hold firmly and find their hope and their peace and their joy in something that for them was still part of the future because they didn't, they didn't see the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry and the, the death and the burial and the resurrection. They were looking forward to it. Still, we get to, from our vantage point, look back and say, oh, we, we, we see even that much more of the unfolding of God's plan, the unfolding of God's purposes. And God, again, he invites us to make that real in our hearts, to turn our attention, to pry our eyes off the things of this world and hold on to the reality of what is yet to come. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of like a young couple who are driving to the hospital because the, the wife's in labor. I, I remember when, when Chelsea, our, our firstborn, uh, when, when Penny went into labor. And it was, it was an incredibly exciting time. I, I drove through I don't know how many red lights. Not because I was in a rush, but I was so distracted by the, by the moment. You know, Penny's sitting next to me, you know, panting and blowing and doing all these Lamaze things. I mean, she wasn't, you know, she, she was experiencing, as the Lamaze teacher warned her, some discomfort. <laughs> but, but it didn't matter because we knew what was coming at the end of that day or whatever. We knew that there was going to, there was some fruit that was coming out of that, that, that pain. And that's what we were looking at. You know, we weren't just saying, oh, great, we get to go to the hospital and, and, and blow and pant and, and do all those kinds of things. We were able to look at what was going to be the result of this, this journey to the hospital, having a child. And, and that's, that's our reality. There's difficulties in this life, physically, relationally, emotionally, practically, but we know what's coming. You know, the, the reality, folks, is that we are all expecting. You're expecting. 
Congratulations. God bless you. We are all pregnant with the kingdom of God. We are pregnant with God's purposes. We are pregnant with God's plans. We are pregnant with God's kind intentions. And if we love this world and the things of this world and pursue gathering up the bits and pieces of of happiness from this world, then then truly we're in the most hopeless of situations. However, if we are captivated by Jesus, if we're grabbed by his plan, who he is, and what he's in the midst of doing, if we're captivated by the, the, the reality that the king has, has come from heaven to earth, that the kingdom of God is slicing into our reality, then, then we know true hope. If we're a people who, who respond to that invitation to participate in, the, in, in reestablishing the kingdom of God. Then, then like the old hymn says, then the things of earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, if we can see how we are part and are invited to become ever-increasing part of what God is doing here on earth now and, and where it's headed, then this life just begins to take its rightful place as being a, a, a wonderful opportunity to, to say, Jesus, I want to walk with you here. But my home, my eternal reality is yet to come. We're pregnant with what is yet to come. And God wants that to grip us. And that's what we celebrate. When Paul was in prison, he didn't write, you know, in Colossians and in Philippians and his, his prison letters, he didn't write to his followers saying, oh, hey, pray that I get out of here. I, these were trumped up charges. This, I've, I've been, you know, I've been wrongly accused. This is not fair. Paul, even in prison, had this, this eternal reality, had this eternal hope. Paul wrote to his followers in, in those letters and said, you know, pray for me that, I, that I'll be faithful to, to, to complete the call in my life. He asked them to pray that he'd be fearless in his preaching to the prison guards. He said, pray for me that I'd have clarity in in communicating the gospel. His imprisonment, when Paul was in prison, wasn't viewed in the light of this temporal, broken, fallen world and his unfortunate circumstances and experience in prison. It was seen in light and in the context of what God was doing and his opportunity to participate in that. And quite frankly, for Paul, it's clear that he understood that the difficulty of what he was experiencing in this life even gave him a greater platform to reflect Christ. 
And he teaches about this in a variety of places. He talks about this in Romans chapter 8, that in our dark situations, in living through difficult trials, be it a relational, emotional, spiritual, physical in this world, it gives even a greater opportunity to reflect God, to walk with God. Because it, there's a contrast there. The light of Christ shines bright in darkness when everything is fine and dandy. It's a lot easier to put him on the shelf, isn't it? When everything's fine and dandy, well, who wouldn't walk around this world feeling happy in those, those short seasons where everything is falling into place? You know, for, for those of you who are in a really sweet time and a sweet season in your life, and it, it seems like everything is falling into place, God bless you. My heart goes out to you. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry that you're at this time when, when it's a little bit harder to hold on to Jesus, a little bit harder to reflect him. In other words, God gives us, even in difficult times, the opportunity to see even more of his kind provision. Even in the difficult times in our lives, it doesn't rob us of hope. It gives us more hope. Let me say that again. In the most difficult times in our lives, it doesn't rob us of hope. It provides a greater foundation to have true biblical hope. Because in those dark times, the light of God's grace, the light of his peace, of his provision, of his sustaining power is, is more keenly seen. You know, in these last few weeks for Penny and I, I don't know that I've ever experienced as much of God's presence and peace. You know, there was a season in our lives a few years ago, I remember saying to Penny and to some others, man, this... Lord, don't let anything change. This is good. I liked where things were, were at. I loved what was going on. Well, I, I knew it would change. I, I knew you can't live in this world and have everything fall into place. But I also know at that time it was a lot harder for me to be motivated to hang on to Jesus because, hey, I'm coasting. This is good. But even in difficulties, we get to hang on to that to that hope. If our joy and our peace in this life comes from avoiding trials and difficulties, if our hope in this life is, is coming from trying to arrange our life to meet our needs and to make the road smooth and, and without bumps, then this life and for us, we truly are in a hopeless situation. However, if our joy and our peace rests in Christ, and our privilege to, to walk with him and, and serve him, then, then our hope and peace is unsh unshakable. And that's what we get to celebrate as we celebrate his birth. To have hope in this life, you also must be active and not passive. We see that with Simeon and Anna. Hope is the fruit of acting on truth, acting on what Jesus says, taking hold of, of who he is, and 
Conversely, hopelessness is the fruit of passivity, living under the influence of a lie. Oh, well, God, God can't use me, so I, I, I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to take risks. I'm not going to come and pray for someone. I'm not even going to come and get prayer. You know, I'm just going to just sort of, you know, just somehow shuffle through life and, and make it somehow. We're believing a lie if we think that God isn't wanting to use us and bring us into his purposes. And the fruit of that will be poor. You know, if we're believing a lie, thinking that my situation, my circumstances, are more than God will deal with, or respond to, or even cares about, that lie will cause us to become passive. You know, take on a role of a victim. Life is unfair. Well, of course it is. The world is broken. But this isn't all there is. That's what we celebrate. Simeon and Anna weren't passive. Anna was living at the temple, worshiping God every day. Simeon would go up to the temple. Today, Jesus, or God, could it be today that I, that I see your Messiah? I'm getting old. Don't let me die without seeing it. You promised I wouldn't die without seeing your, your salvation. There was an active expectancy in his life. Both Simeon and Anna acted on their hope. They acted on what God had told them. They acted on truth. And both Simeon and Anna had to defer their desire for, for immediate gratification, for finding their, their fulfillment and their, or their joy and peace from this world. But both Simeon and Anna, as they waited, were sustained by God. They were lifted up by God. We're invited to walk with Jesus, to, to walk along the path that he set for us. And, and it's not as if he just sends us on our way and says, okay, Danny, here's your path. Have a good time. God bless you. But he walks with us. He says, Danny, here's your path. Let's go. And he walks with me day by day. And he walked with Simeon day by day. And he walked with Anna day by day. And he wants to walk with you day by day. Saying, let me show you what I have for you in this moment. Let me show what I have for you today. Let, let me show you that firm hope that even in these difficult situations, you don't have to be shaken. Because he provides hope. That's what David was talking about in, in Psalm 23. When he talked about God being his shepherd. And he says that God leads me in paths of what? Righteousness. But do you ever think about it? The paths of righteousness. This path that God has for us. This right path. Goes right through from time to time, the valley of the shadow of death. It's not a coincidence. It's just the reality because this world isn't our home. It's broken. But where's the hope? The hope is that even as that righteous path that God has designed for us goes through this dark valley, like David said, we don't have to fear 
because God is with us. He stepped off the throne, he came to earth, filled us with the Spirit, and says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in the good times, I'll be with you in the difficult times, I'll be with you with hard circumstances, I'll be with you with easy circumstances. This is why David said in Psalm 84 that a single day in your court is better than a thousand anywhere else. David said, I want to be in your palace. I want to be with you because you're my king. Even for a single day, it's better than, than being anywhere else without you. His hope was with the person of Christ. Let me finish with this thought. To have hope in this life, we have to be willing to abandon empty wells. That is to say, we have to be willing to let go of and abandon this desire to try to find life from things here on earth. But recognize the fulfillment of our life is in a person not in stuff and not in circumstances. It's in the person of Christ. We need to abandon the counterfeit ways that we try to find life or peace or joy. Sometimes we try to wring out a, a few drops of life out of this world rather than drinking deeply from, from the spring of life who, who's there before us. You know, in, in John chapter 7, let me, let me finish with this picture out of the scriptures. In John chapter 7, to set the scene, it's talking about the, the great day of the feast. And during that, that celebration in the temple, the high priest would, would read from Isaiah chapter 12. He'd read this passage year after year. And the people would come and listen. And it became rote. You know, God is our strength and our song. God is our salvation. We will joyously draw water from the spring of salvation. And the people, they were oppressed by the Roman rule. Their lives were hard. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that moment, Jesus, who was in the temple on that day, John chapter 7, steps forward, having heard the, the, the high priest again say, drink and draw water from the spring of salvation. Jesus steps forward and he says, listen, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We need to be willing to exchange our pursuit of trying to find some life from this world and respond to that invitation, that hope that Jesus says, I don't care about your circumstances. He cares. He cares. Your circumstances don't have to define the level of peace, joy, and hope because you don't have to live under your circumstances. I can live you, lift you above your circumstances. Why don't, you, why don't you stand up? We have cause to celebrate this Advent season because the hope has come and come to each one of us. And, and I, believe that, I believe he wants to work in us and among us and through us this, this morning.
And as I was praying earlier, there are a few things that I believe. One is I believe God wants to bring some physical healing to a number of people today. You know, there are a number of people here that are dealing with various situations. And I believe God's presence is here. And among other things, healing can slice into our lives. We can taste the good things that are yet to come in this life because he's present. Now, I felt like the Lord said, that there are individuals here today who, are deal- who have scoliosis, and God wants to bring healing to that scoliosis. Who is that? Raise your hand if you have scoliosis. There's one, I think there's at least two or three. Yeah. Why don't you come and get prayer for that this morning? I, I believe that the Lord showed me, and I'm not sure if it's just one situation or a number of different things, but there are people who are having pain in their, in their arms or wrists and, and in their hands. And God wants to bring healing and relief from that pain. Who is that? I don't know if it's carpal tunnel or other things. Why don't you come and get prayer for that? Believe also there's, there are individuals who are dealing with, with pain in their, in their face, in their head. I think there are migraines. I think also TMJ. Who, who are dealing? Who's dealing with those situations? I think there are others. Why don't you come and get prayer for that? But God wants to meet us today. So I'm going to invite you to come forward. Also... If you're here, Bonnie, why don't you come and just share that word that you had. If you're here, I, I believe there, there, there's a, a grace that's available. Just share that quickly, what, what God gave you this morning. No. This morning, as I was getting ready for church and the whole time, even during this service, I kept seeing two pictures Children at Christmas time, they go see Santa and they get all, you know, excited and they ask, I want this, I want that, I want Legos, I want dolls. And for the most part, they'll get a few of those things, maybe not all of those things, but they're expectant. After that picture faded, I saw Jesus come and stand even before Santa and all the children and all of the things that we're always asking them for. And he looks at us as his children and he was saying, what I want to give you today is patience. What I want to give you today is endurance for this race. And then he brought to mind the scripture verse, uh, 1 James chapter 3 talks about we're all going to have trials in this life. We're all going to suffer in this life, but he can give us the patience we need. He can give us the endurance we need to continue to carry on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just went so well with his sermon. So I want to encourage you today When Jesus gives us patience, which is really a fruit of the Spirit, (laughs) he does it the right way. Mm -hmm. So if you're people, and I know you are because we're human and we're all broken, we do get impatient and we do get weary in well-doing. But today is a day to be expectant that he's going to give us Mm -hmm. patience and he's going to give us the ability to endure in whatever we're going through today because he's that good. I want you guys begin to come forward whether you need physical healing, if you're in difficult times and you just need that grace of God to to endure and to see him in the midst of it. Come on forward. We're going to just take a a few more minutes here and pray for one another. And I, I just hope that you expectantly anticipate what God wants to deliver to you and, and through you and for you today.
come on forward. We need to make sure everyone who's up front has someone praying for them. Okay, so we need every one of you who are here. This is your church. These are your brothers and sisters. Every one of these folks needs someone praying for them. Come on up right now. Don't make me come and get you. I will. Okay, we need a lot more men, a lot more women to come forward and pray. Let's worship. You give life. You give life. Need more men and women. Please come on up. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. Need a couple more women right over here. Father, we bless what you're doing right now. Pour your power out for healing. Bring your grace for endurance and perseverance. Lord, we, just, we ask that you would allow us to shift our eyes from the, the, the manifestations of this broken world and let us see our hope. Let us see you, Jesus. Let us be lifted up. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless what you're doing. Do a deep work, deep work of healing. Straighten those backs. Remove the pain. Dissolve the tumors, Lord. Come, Holy, Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom slice in. Glorify yourself. Show us the evidence of who you are. Show us the evidence of your power, your authority, your sovereignty. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you in Jesus' name. Come lift it up. Lord, send us, send us out today, having impregnated us with hope, with expectation, 
that we, like, like Simeon, like Anna, would eagerly await, anticipate what our inheritance is. We bless you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're getting prayer, just continue. Let the Lord continue to work. Otherwise, God bless you all.